Let me tell you what this political movement is about. Jobs and growth for all Australians. Gone jobs and growth. Have great jobs. Economic growth. Strong growth. More jobs. When they go low, we go high. So I'm seeing in my mind something very similar with this bill to a colonoscopy. Let me just stop you so you don't waste a line of questioning. I'm just giving you... I love the mansplaining. I would build a great wall, and nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. Please clap. Please clap. This is Represent. 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 On Sid Nation. Good afternoon. You are listening to another episode of Represent on Sid Nation, the hour of politics. I am Tash. And I'm Julia. On today's show, we'll be revisiting a topic we covered last week, which was the recent calls from MPs for the government to appoint a minister for young people, the recent attacks on Syrian civilians involving chemical weapons and the US's response. We'll also be looking at 18C and the government's cuts to medium, small to medium-sized businesses and how the two somehow ended up working together. And, of course, Pop Chat, where we end our political episode with... A light-hearted, fun news story from the week. You can get involved too. Just send us a tweet to at SinRepresent or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash SinRepresent. We're going to start off with a song. This is The Zombies with Summertime. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. was Summertime by the Zombies. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation, the hour of politics. Um, so now we are going to discuss Syria, which has been probably one of the biggest issues of the week, wouldn't you say that, Tash? Yeah, it's been um, really heart-wrenching stories coming out um, and the videos that have surfaced are just, you know, really kind of traumatic in a way, just yeah, definitely. really intense Um stuff that's been happening there. So um, a small Syrian village, uh, the town of Khan Shaikhoun, which I know I didn't say that right. That's okay. <laughs> um, which is rebel-held territory, um, was bombed early Tuesday morning, which uh, it was alleged it was a chemical attack. Um, and then later was confirmed that sarin gas was used, mm-hmm. which is a nerve toxin that attacks the, the nervous system. So in the footage that was coming out, there were civilians... Um, you know, gasping for air, their pupils were like pinpoint dilated and, yeah, dilate's the right word, um, and foaming at the mouth. So it, it was just, yeah, it's really terrible stuff. So since then it's set off, um, you know, a whole lot of action against and within Syria with President Trump ordering um, the first use of military force of his presidency. Uh, so Thursday those attacks took place, um, firing 60 Tomahawk missiles on the air base that President Trump said was where the chemical attack was launched from. Mm. So you can go to that um, um, Donald Trump speaking. Yeah, here he is now. On Tuesday, Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad launched a horrible chemical weapons attack on innocent civilians. Using a deadly nerve agent, Assad choked out the lives of helpless men, women, and children. It was a slow and brutal death for so many. Even beautiful, 
babies were cruelly murdered in this very barbaric attack. No child of God should ever suffer such horror. Tonight, I ordered a targeted military strike on the airfield in Syria from where the chemical attack was launched. It is in this vital national security interest of the United States to prevent and deter the spread and use of deadly chemical weapons. There can be no dispute that Syria used banned chemical weapons, violated its obligations under the Chemical Weapons Convention, and ignored the urging of the UN Security Council. Years of previous attempts at changing Assad's behavior have all failed and failed very dramatically. So there's some very harsh words from Donald Trump there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting that, um, you know, given his, uh, Donald Trump's um, campaign speech of really putting America first and not being involved in international conflicts, um, that he's chosen to take this sort of tact. Definitely. Um, and it, I think um, one thing that I think people... Um, because, yeah, this was definitely a surprise for me because Donald Trump has said that America is not the policeman of the world. Mm. Um, what I think the question is, what does he mean by that? Um, so, obviously, with missiles, this doesn't mean that there are boots on the ground in Syria. So, there isn't American troops who are possibly in danger. But at the same time, it's still military action. It's still um, playing policeman. And it is also something that wasn't necessarily discussed to the same length as it should have been. Yeah, definitely getting congressional approval <coughs> and um, sort of, yeah, that I guess congressional approval is a contentious issue. There's a lot of um, grey area around it, but um, it is interesting that it w happens so fast. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think um, it's important to kind of start to think about what the logic is behind it and um, what's the logic not only of Trump's logic, but also Assad's logic. Is this something that Assad was counting on happening? Um, it's it's very difficult for us to answer these questions, but I think these are questions that, um, as we are watching how this escalates or doesn't escalate or, you know, de-escalate, depending mm -hmm. on what happens, um, I think it's important to kind of consider what are the tactics at play. It's quite, it's very difficult to tell what those tactics are. It's very difficult to speculate what these tactics are as well. Um, but it's like every politician, when they do things like this, um, when they put, like, when they, you know, when they attack their civilians with, or allegedly attack civilians with um, chemicals, if they um, have missiles going to another country, they aren't just doing this on a whim. And I think it's important that people don't just think, oh, it's Trump just being Trump, just doing things that, like, you know, no one can possibly, like... Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's really bad for us to have that kind of mindset that, like, you know, Trump's just, like, this kind of rogue cannon and Assad's just this rogue, rogue cannon. Um, these are both very effective politicians who have very... Um, 
I think they they, they are people who who work very tactically. Mm. So I think it's really worthwhile kind of taking a step back and thinking what what possibilities does this mean? Because they aren't, you know, they there are people who support both Trump and Assad. Well, not necessarily the same people, but there are people yeah, who support are... Trump and there are people who support Assad and they are both very powerful men and you don't just get like that. There are things that happen in order to become powerful. Mm. It will be interesting to see how um, this plays out with Russia and <coughs> the US um, because Russia is has been a key ally um, of Syria and, you know, throughout the civil, uh, civil war, They've had their, um, for their own interests, as much as Assad's ability to keep power, they've been um, pretty close together. Um, Russia has carried out airstrikes in support of the Assad regime since 2015. And, you know, it's, as we can see, sort of the lines have been drawn um, more clearly as to where Russia's stance is. Yeah. Um, They're definitely not going to be friendly with the US as... Um, Trump even said in his campaign that he'd want to, you know, make friends again or, you know, be civil. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. And again, that's also another question about, like, what are people's tactics? Again, um, Putin is very much a very powerful man. He got there somehow and his Mm. actions are very much strategic as are Trump's. and this, I think, might be might be why people are thinking like Trump. What the hell are you doing? Like, why are you why are you doing this when you and Putin are like bros or whatever? In <laughs> <laughs> want of a better word, bros. Um, <laughs> but there there has to be some kind of reasoning behind that. But what that reasoning is, and whether or not we make sense of it, that's that's another question. Mm. Um, and again, it is very early days. This only happened yesterday. Um, but I do think that that is going to be quite contentious. I think that also we can't just assume that Trump has always been happy, 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 joy, joy with, with um, Russia, even though he has said that he is committed to working with Russia. Um, as we can all remember that that wonderful dossier that circulated around that like, still isn't quite fully verified. But About the golden showers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't want to say that, oh, but, <laughs> um, but you know, that's hashtag, no. hashtag golden showers, <laughs> but you know, like obviously that hasn't been fully verified yeah. yet, but at the same time that there, there's a link to Russia there and that was, you know, a way in which to, um, you know, put Trump down a peg. So and I the FBI investigations into Russia's. Yeah, collusion with the camp, uh, election. So it's a very it's, it's a very frenemy relationship. Definitely, it's very yeah, mean was, girls. Yeah. Um, it really is. Like, and I think that's just the same thing with global politics. Like global I, yeah, politics think, is just mean girls. I think that's the way <laughs> it, it is. Really, um, I don't like if you. I think we forget why Syria is having a civil is in civil war because it's been going on for like six years now. It has yeah and since Arab Spring. Yeah, so since then, I think over 300,000 people have been killed and, you know, many more displaced. But there are so many offshoots and ties and not tie, uh, you know, like enemies, but then allies. And it's just, it's such a hotbed of 
and then Crap, then, like then there's ISIS, but then that's not really that much of a yeah of a thing. So you have like there. Syria and Iran, and Iran is there because of you know supporting um, giving equipment and military um, devices to Hezbollah, and then you have you know small town militant rebel forces, and it's just there's just it's really complicated and um, so complicated. Yeah, so. Mean girls in real life. Really is. It's like it's really intense. Um, but also we should probably quickly touch on Australia's response. Yeah. Um. So this is what um, Malcolm Turnbull said in regards to um, the missile strikes from the US to Syria. The effect of the American uh, response has been to reduce the ability of the Syrian government to deliver chemical weapons in the shocking manner in which they did a few days ago. Uh, the United States advised us uh, as a coalition partner shortly prior to the attack. Uh, as the Minister will describe, the United States Secretary of Defence, uh, Jim Mattis, phoned her earlier this morning. Uh, we have discussed the matter, naturally, with the CDF and with our National Security Committee colleagues, and we can say uh, that the, the Australian government strongly supports the swift and just response of the United States. This was a calibrated, proportionate and targeted response. It sends a strong message to the Assad regime, and as I said, has been struck at the very airfield from which the chemical attack was delivered. Australia was not involved in the strike, uh, but we remain fully committed as a coalition partner to our ongoing military operations in Iraq and Syria. We have been consistent in our condemnation of the use of chemical weapons that was Malcolm Turnbull in response to US uh, military forces, um, their airstrike on Syria after the chemical um, weapons attack yeah. happened. And it's a bit of a, um, that particular statement has been quite criticised by um, a lot of Australians who are like, hmm, actually I didn't want this to happen. Why are we supporting Trump mm -hmm. in this? <clears throat> Again, this is, um, I think it would be very hard for... Malcolm Turnbull to um, go Did, against Trump yeah, right here. I don't right think now. that would um, work. Help. Um, we have to remember that um, the US is a superpower and one of our strongest allies. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, and it's. I think it's. It's actually as much as many Australians may be completely and utterly against and horrified by the missile strikes. Um, that's definitely a very an opinion that is quite common and an opinion that is, you know, just as valid as any other opinion. Mm. Um, I think that <sighs> Malcolm Turnbull is in a very hard place. He has to, I think he's in a position where he has to um, support what America is doing, um, at least at this point, at least at this juncture. Yeah. I, I'm just imagining, like, what would be like in West Wing. <laughs> like, you know, crazy what, what what is, you know, CJ Craig, what this time it's Sean Spicer, <laughs> just being like, um, how do I do this? How do I talk about this? Um, yeah, it would have been 
really counterproductive if Malcolm Turnbull had have denounced those airstrikes. I just don't. Yeah. No, I can't even see that being in his character. But even if he was just like, maybe I should go the other way, it would just... It's, or not saying anything. Yeah. I mean, that would have just caused total uproar. Exactly. It's, it's a, such a precocious position mm. for any ally of America right now. Um, because it is something that is a complete surprise. It didn't get congressional approval. Um, but at the same time, like, do you really want to make enemies with a country that has missiles? Yeah. <laughs> um, we like, have enough of those. Yeah, that, that's one aspect. And also, um, aside from the real power that the US has, also the diplomatic power mm. that it has. Like, if they aren't going to get you down with missiles, they're going to get you down with... Sanctions. Sanctions and whatnot. So, like, you know, it's hard to tell what Malcolm really thinks. I think that's just a general thing about Malcolm. Um, (laughs) I also wanted to, um, just touching on, you know, what the future could look like, uh, especially between Russia and the US or Russia and the world. Um, They did, the uh, Prime Minister, Dmitry Medvedev, um, said that the US airstrikes that, um, recently happened. We're one step away from clashing with Russia's military, and I, I think that's supposed to mean, um, you know, conflict could soon arise. And Russia's defense ministry announced that it would close down the communication between U.S. and Russian force, forces, which is really important um, because that prevents accidental clashes. So yeah. that's you know that's a key hotline um, that's going to be shut down. And I think that that that's kind of telling as to the sort of relationship going forward now and um you know we don't have maybe as uh you know it it was probably a loose ally before and now it's just a severed relationship and I think that's it's kind of scary it is Um, a little bit yeah see what happens um and I guess also when we seeing um because I remember like in the early days you know Obama was kind of tiptoeing around you know what to do Mm. and was very you know, to the point where maybe some people would say that his he actually probably like some people might have said that you know Obama should have been harder earlier in regards to Syria, um, but this is this is um a very quick and you know it's not necessarily ill thought out, but it's more just they just went you know they just did they listened to what Shia LaBeouf said and they just did it just did just. it <laughs> and um. I think um I think that that one person I can't remember who said it so one person said that this is like a step behind you know declaring war mm. and like I don't want to talk about war right now because it's really hard to say that but and it's hard to speculate that but that's certainly a possibility yeah um whether or not that war means boots on the ground or if it means more missile strikes, or if this means like a Cold War situation, it's really hard to tell, but it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, and um, I think that anyone who has the idea that, uh, you know, I don't know, going forth, forward with uh, force and, you know, in haste is is kind of um, really forgetting history, especially when we think about the Iraq War and how that left a major power vacuum that basically helped um, forces like Al-Qaeda come to power and, and the Taliban. <laughs> and then, you know, now we see ISIS. So, you know, going forward and just because you are retaliating with, um, you know, weapons, 
you know, you, and even you're if, leaving something. And even if that retaliation is in good intentions. Even yeah, if it's... It, it, yeah, you can't you can't um, you know go in bomb and and say you know yeah we got rid of Assad and then and then left like there is it's such a there's a lot of issues <laughs> with that country definitely um, that need more help they need more diplomatic help um, and like rebuilding yeah and also the question is are missiles really that much better than chemical weapons <laughs> yeah <laughs> very um, true we probably should go to another song shouldn't yeah, we yeah <laughs> um, but don't forget to join the discussion uh, we'd love to hear what you think of the US airstrikes on Syria uh, you can tweet to us at sinrepresent or let us know on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash sinrepresent. This is The Strokes with I'll Try Anything Once. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation, the hour of politics. Um, before we uh, before we go to the song, uh, after we come back from the song, we're going to be speaking with Youth Action CEO Katie Ackerson. So um, stay tuned for that. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. Ten decisions shape your life. Okay, one more time. You just heard I'll Try Anything Once by The Strokes. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. And we have Youth Action CEO Kate, Katie Action from, on the phone to speak to us um, about the calls from the government to appoint a new minister for young people. Hi, Katie. How are you today? Hi. I'm great. I'm out and about having fun. That's great to hear. Um, so could you please start off with telling us what Youth Action is and how it works with governments to ensure that youth issues are being met? Right, so Youth Action is a peak body for young people. So we spend all of our time talking to young people and the services that work with them, finding out what issues are going on for them. And then we um, talk to decision makers about what's happening uh, for young people and how they should change laws or how they need to put more programs in place or what kind of support young people need to be able to kind of thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, so the PATH program is a government initiative to help young people get their foot in the door, as is detailed by Michaela Cash. Would you be yep. able to explain what the PATH program is and if you think that this is a positive step for the coalition government? Yeah, look, you might have heard of uh, Work for the Dole before. So that's where um, people who were receiving income support would um, get the opportunity or be forced, depending on how you look at it, <laughs> to to go and get some more skills. So they might get on-the-job training. And so the PATH program is kind of a reboot of that. So mm-hmm. uh, young people are going to get internships, essentially, where they have six weeks training um, and then they get a sort of placement or an internship in, an, in a job and the employer gets paid to have them. And they have a period of time, uh, generally about three months of, around about. They, they're kind of talking about the different time frames. And then hopefully at the end of that, a young person would be um, skilled up enough to get that to get a job with that company. But the problem is, is that we're not really guaranteeing any work at the end of it. And young people are going to be worse off. So their income support is going to be um, cut by about $42 a week. Um, sorry, a fortnight. So it's not great, but it's not horrible. So, um, look, there's much better programs that help train young people, um, get them the skills they need to get into work. And uh, this program, maybe it will work. We we don't know yet. We have to see what happens. How do you think having a minister for young people will actually help young people? Well, I don't know if everybody knows, but uh, in 2013, uh, Tony Abbott's new government got rid of the, the position of Minister for Youth. So we haven't had a Minister for Youth since then. And then in 2014, we had this 
uh, Tony Abbott had a budget and he basically cut a whole bunch of programs, including the Office for Youth, uh, the National Voice for Young People called uh, AAC, and a whole bunch of programs for young people. So we started seeing kind of the government kind of moving money away from young people and that focus on that. And, and that hasn't really stopped since 2014. So what happens when you have a minister is that there's somebody in parliament. So every day that they sit in parliament, they think about what's important for that group. And so having a minister for youth would mean that every um, policy that went through parliament, they, that person would be thinking, how does this affect young people? Is it good for them? And that sort of stuff is great for us. It doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to get better, but at least it's a start where somebody in government is focusing just solely on young people. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that the age and credentials of the minister, if we were to bring back a minister for young people, plays a large part in the success of the process? Um, Or do you think that's just a superficial point of consideration? Well, look, it would be fantastic. Wouldn't it be awesome if our politicians represented the population that we have? So, the 20% of the Australian population is under 25, so it would be pretty cool if you know, 20% of all politicians were under 25. That's probably not going to happen because young people, it does take quite a while to get into politics, and it often happens to be um, people who've been in certain circles for quite a long time. So you get one or two young people who get into parliament, like we had White Roy a couple of years ago, and he was, I think, 23. So... Um, so that, that's great, but just because somebody's young doesn't mean that they understand youth issues, and I think that's probably the most important thing from this message is that what, what we really want to see is a government who's listening to young people and talking to young people. So, you know, if a, if a minister's 80, okay, as long as your whole, um, your whole day is kind of consumed with talking to young people and really hearing what they're saying, it's okay because they're going to be reflecting the needs of the bigger population. Just because somebody's age doesn't mean that they're they fully understand the issues. What you have to do is really talk to lots of people to really get the picture. Yeah. Um, so do you have anything else to add or, or elaborate on on this issue? Oh, look, I think it's, yeah, I think it's really cool that um, there's so many people talking about uh, youth issues. So last week was national, the very last funded National Youth Week. Um, and we had also Homelessness Matters Days. And there was heaps of people who were kind of concerned, like, what is going on for young people? And things are getting... Um, worse and worse every year for young people. We're seeing lots of like housing affordability, um, employment, unemployment for youth, for young people has continued to go up and up. And so there's a real need to kind of stop some of these negative things happening. And so the amount of young people who are kind of standing up and going, hey, no one's listening to me and no one in parliament is doing anything about the things that matter to me. The more people who do that, the better it's going to be for Australia because we need young people to really kind of stand up and say, hey, I'm an Australian, I have a citizen, you have to represent my issues. And so it's really exciting to hear more people talking about this stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today on Represent and um, for pushing for more voices for young people in our government. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, That was... uh, Youth Action CEO Katie Atkinson uh, speaking to us on Represent. Uh, what's your opinion about Minister for Young People? Let us know by tweeting to us at SINREPRESENT or let us know on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash SINREPRESENT. This is Angel Olsen with High Five. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation.
That was Angel Olsen with High Five. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. We're now going to talk about uh, the week in politics, which involved most uh, importantly 18C or the lack of changes and um, tax cuts to small to medium businesses and the deal that was um, made between the coalition and the Nick Xenophon team that would see um, pensioners be given one-off payments in exchange for these tax cuts to go through. So um, it would have been an embarrassing defeat for Malcolm Turnbull if the main piece of his economic policy wasn't passed, uh, passed, but the whole thing wasn't what the government had initially intended, but the $24 billion is enough, I guess, Mm. (laughs) for now. (laughs) I'm sure they can, uh, yeah... Use that somehow, yeah, <laughs> somewhere because <laughs> it's kind of, uh, yeah. I'm not like I'm not an economic economist, but I don't really think this trickle down economic theory really works. And when you have the budget coming up and you have like a 25 billion dollar gap in your budget and you're hanging on to like the trickle down idea, I just don't think it's a great idea. I think, um, have you seen that meme that? Like, maybe I just follow too many political memes. But there's this one about trickle down <laughs> economics, and it's just like the top, the top glass is like keeping me full, but then it just it just becomes bigger and becomes bigger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's exactly like that. I mean, like, I feel like there is a certain amount of logic in ensuring that there are you know actual workplaces for people to work, but at the same time, I think there needs to be like, a serious discussion about ensuring that people actually get jobs in these new businesses. Yeah, and that doesn't And I think come... that's the issue. Mm. It's not so much the job. I feel like quite a lot of people have freedom to create jobs now. And not, not, not to create jobs, but rather to create businesses really easily. Yeah. Um, startup culture has really boomed in the last five or so years um, in, you know, tech industries and whatnot. Um and also, like you've always got, you've you've always got small businesses popping up. I feel like people are naturally going to have their own businesses. The thing is, how do we get those businesses to hire people? Because a lot of these businesses, like, I think if you're talking about a really small business, you know, like a store or something, maybe there's like one or two people being employed rather than five. Or, um, I think also there is. Um, especially for like young people trying to get jobs um, it's the issue is more about how do people especially around small businesses like how do people um, present themselves in a way which show that they have um, an ability to learn whatever business like whatever skills is necessary for the job but also people are very much on the lookout for experience when a lot of people really do not have experience that people want and it's not necessarily experience that you know, you need to go and study. It's more experience about like how to use a, a cash register, um, <laughs> which can be taught very quickly. And I don't think that comes down to um, someone's ability to get a job doesn't come down to whether the company is receiving um, tax reductions. Exactly. Like I don't think that is um, yeah a big factor. And I, I don't, maybe it is, but 
um, the way Malcolm Turnbull's speaking about it and Treasurer Scott Morrison is, you know, speaking about it as though <coughs> these businesses um, or this tax cut is all of a sudden going to give people real wages mm. and, you know, uh, reduce um, unemployment. It's just, it, I don't think that, uh, like, tax cuts can hold that much weight, you know. Like, that's exactly. changing a whole dynamic of workplace. And, and I, I, just, I think also, like, especially... You know, when you speak to older people and when they talk about their um, experiences as a young worker, you know, people could could get jobs very easily. They could maintain that job. Like, I remember my grandpa, he was telling me about all these odd jobs he got when he was, like, a uni student. Like, he was a postie for a summer. Um, he, um, ironically because I actually go to Monash, um, back when the Menzies building had escalators, he helped out, not, es- yeah, escalators, um, he put the plastic on the escalators, <laughs> um, you know, when you, you know, the kind of plastic that they hold yeah, on to. Yeah, yeah, so, like, people, like, back, you know, two generations ago were able to get some really odd jobs, but also kind of maintain themselves while they were mm. studying, um, or just as a young person who, who, you know, might not have a degree or a diploma because we didn't really have degrees much that back then. But, like, diplomas back then. And, um, you know, this this kind of, you know, no, if you want to get, like, a like a, like a little job as a postie, no, you have to have, like, yeah. experience. Have you ever, like, put some mail in the box before? <laughs> um, and then you're kind of like, well, I would only really be able to put mail in the box if I was hired to put mm. mail in the box. Um, same thing with, like, retail and stuff um, and hospitality and that is a, a really big big issue. Um, I think also it's also about like kind of I think um like you know especially when we're talking about issues like penalty rates as one um, like there are there are cases maybe in small towns where you know people aren't put you know aren't you know. Um, Aren't opening on Sundays because they don't want to pay penalty rates. Maybe that maybe that's a consideration, but also, like, I mean, that's only for very small businesses. That would really matter. Like, you know, um, mm. McDonald's or something, another big corporation, not paying penalty rates. It's kind of like, well, you're a big business. You should be able to do this. Yeah, this is you're a multinational. Sort of raise another point on the tax cuts um, because it's aimed at small to medium sized businesses this idea that it's all of a sudden going to help the economy you know it's kind of argued that it won't really play a larger role in things like increasing foreign investment because um, which of course is you know the whole allure of cutting tax to big companies um, because big companies will come here but um, because it's small to medium sized businesses that's not necessarily you know a big dent in the economy and you know if you if they go through or it gets passed that the four the big four banks get a tax cut you know that's that's really big that's like around seven billion dollars and I just I don't think that massive companies need that incentive yeah I don't think it's fair to keep um it's kind of like treating it that way. Yeah, it's kind of like um, young workers or um, workers in general are kind of like a bargaining chip. Like, okay, mm. we'll hire you, but only if government gives us a tax cut. Yeah. But then it's it's kind of like a cycle, um, which is a little bit um, upsetting. I do think that actually what needs to happen is that there needs to be 
a discussion about like, um, you know, we've got people who are young and need to work and, you know, they might be studying. Like, I feel like a lot of uni students who um, aren't employed, there is this kind of notion that, you know, people can be overqualified. Um, and there seems to be a very generational and very cultural thing about this right now. And I think that's the actual discussion we need to have mm. is about like, okay, what do um, employers want from young people or um, just workers in general in their workplace? And how can young people or people seeking jobs um, fulfill that? And, you know, where's the mid ground with that? And I don't think that that is going to be particularly um, particularly um, swayed by things like tax cuts or getting rid of penalty rates mm. or anything like that. I also wanted to touch on um, the the way that these tax cuts got um, put uh, passed, um, which was it was a real uh, you know heavy time in the um, house. Um, was oh, like, yes. <laughs> last Friday it was almost a filibuster uh, it was being called um, so in order for this ter- uh, tax cuts to be um, passed the coalition did a deal with the NXT team and I think that um, it's actually kind of a good deal mm. the pensions uh, so what would happen is $260 million of one off payments would go to the pensioners um, which would be made in the May budget. So it would be $75 for a single person and $125 for a couple, which would go under the aged pension, the disability support and the parenting payment. So I think this is, um, you know, it's it's kind of good that, you know, these sorts of deals are being made. Um, I mean, it's not great, but that they're being made with the consideration of, um, you know, supporting um, people who need that help. Um but I also wanted to go over how the tax cuts are going to actually work. So what happens is the companies that have less than $10 million in turnover, they receive a reduction of 27.5% this year. And in, next year from 17 to 18, um, those it will go up to, it will be up to a $25 million turnover. And then in 18 and 19, it'll be up to 15, the businesses with $50 million turnover. So the tax rate's going to, progressively reduce uh, down to 25%, which I think it started out as 30%. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how the budget reflects these tax cuts and um, how we go in the future. We'll be watching that very closely indeed. But 18C, (laughs) nearly forgot on 18C. Oh God, 18C. (laughs) So this was also a part of the government's extended sitting hours in the Senate um, so that it could deal with the 18C legislation uh, and the change, obviously, and the changes to company tax rates. But the government, just to recap, the government wanted to replace the words insult, offend and humiliate in section 18C and have all those three words replaced with harass. Um, But going into the Senate, I think last Friday, the government knew it didn't have the numbers to pass. Um, the changes, and it was a s- seven hours straight of discussion. I can't imagine that. That would be that's a different talking. kind of that's a different kind of marathon. <laughs> Too much. Um, so the changes won't be going ahead. Um, as much as there was a whole lot of discussion and banter and everyone's opinions thrown into this act. Um, so 
it's done yeah it's not going forward and it's it's it was an odd thing to have come up to be honest yeah I feel like it was it very random yeah um it's interesting because um I think it was about last week um Jackie Lambie um wrote this big big thing on 18C whereby she basically said you know um 18C is not that much of a big deal because um if because of the exemptions covered in 18D mean mm. that if there is something that has been done in good faith but has offended people nonetheless, you know, there is legal yeah, there is legal um recourse which means that you won't, you know, <laughs> the way she put it is if you get done by 18C, you have a bad lawyer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um or you've done something really bad. Such but um, and she was kind of saying that, you know, this is, this has got nothing to do with the budget. It's got nothing to do with veterans. It's got nothing to do with pensioners. It's got nothing to do with young people or any of, you know, your average everyday Australians that she wants to represent. Um, I just realized I said the name of the show. <laughs> um, but you know, um, so she was kind of saying like, this is a distraction. This is something that we're you know, we're, we're having this big fuss and debate over something which, you know, actually is quite benign in her opinion, mm. um, which I think was a, a really interesting um, perspective from her. Um, Jackie is a bit of a, a bit of a, I don't know how to say it, but like, you know, she has lots of different opinions and very strong opinions yeah. on very different, very big issues. And, um, you know, as someone who like she has some very controversial views, but at the same time, she's also like, um, you know, this is this is something that really doesn't affect. And she's people. really, yeah, very real about it. Issues mm. too. Yes, um, very real. Might not always agree with her. The as veterans, you said. the veterans, <laughs> yeah. and welfare. That welfare. was um, a really moving speech. Anyway, should we have a song? Um. But if you um, want to get involved in the discussion, uh, whether it be for appointing Minister for Young People or if it's about Assad and uh, his regime in Syria or 18C, let us know what you think of any of the about any of these issues by tweeting yeah. to us <laughs> Sin Represent or let us know on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Sin represent. We're going to be playing Wildlife by Client Liaison and we'll be back very soon. You just heard Wildlife by Client Liaison. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation and it is time for our favourite part of the show is pop chat pop chat Woo! <laughs> i always say every week i'm like i'm not gonna say it like that but just you so should. excited it's so exciting and we've got some really interesting content for today yeah starting with well uh malcolm turnbull visited lismore um last week or this week during the floods um and there was a sausage sizzle and it was all on camera. Perfect PM, you know, political moment, the typical sausage Sausage time. and bread. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was given a sausage sizzle by um, a volunteer and this is how it went. Is this it? Yeah. 
Wonderful. That's really, that's lovely. Very kind of you. But I think I'm running around a bit much to be, to be eating that. But that's very good of you. So but thank you. Now, what a great job you're doing. So you're, you've been feeding and caring for people. Yeah, oh so my, <laughs> oh my lord, that happened. And I mean, it's you kind of think, oh, you're just being dramatic. That's not that shocking, but it's it's pretty shocking. Like, just take the sausage from the flood affected volunteers and eat it. Don't give some excuse that you need to walk around. I mean, oh my god. Yeah. So I don't know how that went with his polling numbers, but <laughs> I thought that was that's like prime pop chat. That is Absolute very, crime. like, that's, oh, my God, that's even more like, you know, is it a sausage? That's even more of a big deal than, is it a sausage sizzle? This is <laughs> like sausage gate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my Lord. Yes. Well, what other stories has happened? Well, um, in Israel, um, on uh, the the Labour Party, they have to um, do, like, pre-selection process. And so we're going to have a um, kind of like a pre-selection election, um, like on July, in on July third. And um, what happened was it turned out that there was going to be a Britney Spears concert that same day, so there wasn't enough security. So they have decided to change the date of this election because of Britney Spears concert. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's too much like you it's can't make too that much stuff up. <laughs> and you, yeah you just you just can't and um so Britney clearly has like the powers to change I'm just surprised she's still touring I did not know yes she still yeah was that was stuff. the thing that you were mainly surprised about. Was, not, was, <laughs> yeah. not, was not the <laughs> not ability the to like yeah change um to change like the date of an election or albeit like a pre-election election not like like, yeah, it's like an internal election. Yeah. But um, I thought that was really interesting and also a bit like, whoa, the priori- priorities. Over the princess of pop. She really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that was that's pretty funny as well. And um, there was also the... French, French. French um, yeah, um, so there's been a bit of discussion about um, one of the f- candidates for the... We've, we've been speaking a lot about Marine Le Pen, hmm. like, yeah, on represent. We're a little bit obsessed about it, like, by obsessed, we In mean... In a cautious way. Like, you know, oh my God, this person exists, but, um, so, <sighs> Emmanuel... Macron is one of the presidential uh, candidates and there's been a little discussion about him and his personal relationship because he has a wife and his wife is 24 years older than him. Um, And there's a bit of a discussion because he met his wife when he was 15 and she was a teacher then and now... Like you know, obviously that they, they, like they married in two thousand and seven, um, and they obviously got together after. <laughs> not not during, <laughs> not during when they first met. Um, but there's been a lot of um kind of accusations that you know his wife is, um, pivotal to his like ideology and like she's you know the person who's really pulling the strings, which I think is a little bit problematic. It's an odd thing to say because that's that could be any relationship. Yeah. I don't think it matters. About the age. About the age, about background. Like, I don't 
if all we know, Mel- yeah. Melania Trump could be pulling the strings. Exactly. I just don't understand why that's... I think Melania and, and Trump are probably similar age gap as well. Similar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Why, why are I we so... I think that's so... questioned. I think people have been questioning Yeah, people have been questioning it, but also I think at the same time, like, oh, there's some pretty horrible memes um, about Melania where there's like, oh, you know, she wanted a sugar daddy and this is what <laughs> she got. Um, really, like, really kind of like, oh, oh. Really? Maybe that's not what you should say. But it is interesting because, you know, oftentimes it's just towards women. Mainly. Yeah. Because, um, like, you know, with Melania, it's like, oh, you know, she, oh, she went in with the sugar daddy and then she got, then she became first lady. Yeah. Um, those memes are pretty horrible. And then at the same time, it's kind of like, um, kind of saying that, you know, um, that Bridget Macron is, like, the person who's pulling the strings and that the guy is just a puppet, which... You know, it's like, maybe we shouldn't make these assumptions. Yeah, it's such a weird, <coughs> I don't know, it's it's really odd that the attention has been paid to their relationship. Yeah. Because it's not like it is, I mean, it's different. It's different. But it's not and they're, they, and, they're and they acknowledge that it's yeah. different and that, you know, people might ask questions about it. Um, but, yeah. It's but it's not, yeah. It's just maybe, like... Maybe don't let it go. Maybe <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 put the whole like oh it's like Macbeth kind mm. of things because that's where it happened. Um, but it is, I believe, time to end the show. Yes. Um, join us same time next week on Sin Nation. Uh, if you want to contact us, leave us some comments, uh, send us a tweet at Sin Represent, or visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash sin represent i'm tash i'm julia and thank you for listening see you next week stay political stay political